you have to make the business model self-sustainable. And if you just literally have people earning a token and being able to convert that for their national currency, that still has to stimulate some type of intrinsic value, you know, or it's just really, you're just giving them peanuts or something like that. And even then that still can be expensive, you know, it, depending on how many users and how much money, the volume you're pumping on a daily basis. So I think that's one of the things that we're going to see is that a lot of gamified projects failing because of that simple fact that they want to be a play to earn, but they don't really know how to allow the user to, to earn. Welcome to the Vault Podcast, the official podcast of V3 Labs. Here we discuss crypto, NFTs, and the metaverse with a focus on security and innovation. It's our goal to help onboard new people to Web3 and give them the information and resources they need to stay safe. Join us each week for new discussions with other founders, investors, and experts building the future of the web. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Vault3Labs and visit our website, v3labs.xyz, for the latest news and updates. And we're live. Pocky Cows, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate you taking the time to meet with us today on the pod. Uh, we're really excited about uh, to have you on. I know that you've got a bunch of stuff in the works here, and you've been working on it for a while, and we're excited to hear more. Appreciate you having me on, Parker. Thank you, Messiah, for letting me uh, on this platform, man. I look forward to deep diving and having a, a dope conversation with you, too. Yeah, no problem. Hey, man, we're, we're honored on our end. So I've been following podcasts for eh, a few months. So one of the things that I really want to know is, like, what, what's the background on your team and how'd you get in the space? Yeah, so... I've been in the space since 2012. I was introduced to cryptocurrency at the top of the market, of course, and I bought in in 2012. And uh, from there, it's just been a learning curve. I switched my major in college from business marketing and computer IT, uh, end up uh, going, pursuing C++, Python, Solidity, a uh, bit of Java. And um, yeah, just just been rocking out from there. Uh, intern, community management for various projects. So starting learning like what makes a, a solid project, what gives you a stamp, what can get carved out a lane in this space, and um, I just it just all led up to this point, you know, going from seeking financial empowerment to now start seeing like all right, this game has changed my life. It has a uh, it has been very blissful for me. But uh, what's next? And it, I think it draw me here to just chase a legacy at this point, to be on the right side of history and, and push this technology forward. Nice. What, um, so, so, you, so before Pocket Cows, you were, you were working some other projects as a community manager? Yeah. So like, uh, for example, Poker Warriors, that was a nonprofit uh, polka dot organization that raises awareness over in East Asia, uh, working with them for numerous years. Um, that was a big uh, step up for me. Definitely. Um, also building my own platform of technical analysis and, uh, you know, working for a couple of funds, a couple of hedge funds and how, and assisting with their overall clients, uh, you know, liquidity. Oh, cool. What, does, what were you doing for a hedge fund? Same thing I do for individuals. It was just like technical analysis research. So just pretty much, uh, they would give me a set of coins and I would just give them actually the breakdowns of where they were going. 
and then they will take that uh, that data and then make their decisions amongst each other privately of what they're going to do with the client's uh, liquidity. Oh, that's awesome! What What were you doing before? Uh, what were you doing before uh, crypto and NFT? Smoking weed and being a, a knucklehead, being a confused young man, just uh, still trying to walk that guideline from being a boy to a man, not really having no focus, not really feeling I had a purpose. So I think that uh, blockchain was really meant. I don't know what I'll be doing if it wasn't for blockchain. So I really was just running wild. I know you said you got into crypto in 2012 uh, at the top of the market. And um, I'm curious, was it the same for NFTs? Yeah, I, I was advocating for NFT for the last about two years, man. So I've, I've seen a lot. Um, what got me into NFTs is one of one of the people that I look up to in this space. You know that I've gotten a lot of uh, inspiration from was Fabian, uh, the head director of uh, Luxo Lyxe. So he's the one that opened up my mind more to NFTs. It wasn't really Crypto Kitties, you know. Seeing that happen back in 2017, it wasn't really that. It was more. Um, his direction, because, you know, that's the same guy that created the ERC-20 protocol. So all these other tokens under Ethereum, he's so responsible for them. So seeing that he gravitated to this whole thing, like a sister chain, and like really this whole concept of authentic uh, authorization and authentication of one's digital uh, data in a representation of them in a, in a metaverse playing field, that kind of opened up my mind. So I started advocating for NFTs, and I just really dove head first. Okay, nice. I think that's pretty interesting because um, for me, I kind of missed the boat on like crypto in the early days and like Bitcoin and the start of Ethereum, which I regret every single day of my life. Um, but I, I knew once I kind of like dove headfirst into crypto, into coins and kind of working on smart contracts and working on projects for like Polygon, Ethereum and Binance, etc., I was like um, fully immersed into like all coins and all coin culture. At the same time, NFTs were taken off and I really wasn't paying any mind to NFTs until I see like the, I think the Board Ape Yacht Club, they had a, um, an auction at Sotheby's that might have, I think there was a lot that fetched something like $28 million. And I was like, oh shit, like this is using the same, you know, smart contract technology. Let me pay attention to NFTs. And I don't want to say I was too late, but I wasn't early, right? Um, even though we're still kind of early in a sense. So I'm, I'm always curious to, you know, hear about other people who kind of walk the same journey and see if they were like really early to like NFTs in terms of like crypto kitties or crypto punks or arrived a little later. Yeah, definitely. I was I've been advocating for NFTs because I know that this is the true way to onboard. This is the key to mass adoption. It's not the financial sector. Of course, people come into the space for financial empowerment, financial freedom. But on from a cultural standpoint, most people are not tech savvy. So it takes the arts, it takes music, it takes movies, it takes these art, these cultural outlets to really onboard when we're talking about in the millions and the billions. Yeah, I like that you said that. So I guess besides like your technical background, were you already immersed in the arts like prior to like Web3 and uh, like internet culture? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't live a day without music. I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida. We have an art district. I would take photography. I, I would take photos every single day. You know, I've been in the art scene. I grew up under one of the biggest graffiti crews in Miami, you know, Quake, Chrome, all of these guys. So it's just like, you know, art is like I knew I was going to do something that kind of related to to like the artistic expression side of me. I knew I was going to do something. I just didn't think it was going to be through technology. I didn't think it was going to be use, utilizing blockchain to express what I do. Oh, that's, that's beautiful, man. 
So like, so explain to us like the start of Pocket Cows. Like, how did this come about in in the team? Like, how did you guys meet each other and decide to work on like an NFT project? Yeah. So Josiah Gutierrez is the artist. He's the one that chose the animal. He's the one that chose the theme Pocket Cow and named it Pocket Cow. He's um he chose that name from our local fair. He uh his fiance on their first day he won her a stuffed animal which was a cow. So we just kind of based our work off of that. It was a Gen 1 collection earlier 2021. It only had 20 cows in it. And once we sold that out, we wanted to move forward and actually build a household project. So we just kind of dipped our toe, seeing what kind of response we could do. And then we realized, like, let's, like, actually take it for real. So we dropped a 10,000 collection and actually slapped on utility built within the smart contract and based off of the, the technology of the token IDs and the digital properties that we promoted and pushed out to the market nice well let's uh well tell, tell us about the uh about the utility yeah so <clears throat> right now we have a video game out right now as we speak so every cow that you see are characters in our game so if you have a couple character a couple cows you'll be able to have the option to uh choose that uh character so we're in beta right now but all of the pocket cow holders already have access to the game all of them so they're testing it out daily. We're getting feedback daily. We're updating every Friday night, releasing our new build, and just like working out any bugs we spot out. So with this game, it's very dynamic because a lot of people fail to realize when it comes to GameFi, there's a lot of obstacles. GameFi, I feel if it's not approached the right way, it's actually taking a step backwards. Because a lot of these uh, game uh, companies, they introduce their own tokens, right? They, they introduce a non-fungible token product introduces a fungible product. So being so, they're not being registered with the SEC. So that if, God forbid, if any of these tokens were used to like, you know, support terrorism or buy illicit, uh, you know, drugs and whatnot, it comes back on that company. It comes back on that team that introduced this like rail that to challenge the monetary system as, as we see it. So what we did, instead of having a play to earn video game, we introduced a very unique model called play to win. So what we did is out of the 10,000 collection, 1,000 of those cows are held in the public wallet, the same wallet that deployed the contract so everybody can see. When that happens... On a weekly basis, people are competing 24-7 for the number one spot on our leaderboard. If you get the number one spot on our leaderboard by the end of the weekly cutoff, you get a, a free pocket cow. So that's what we do. We're rewarding people with a non-fungible token. We're going around that whole step of having to submit something to the SEC. We as an independent team, we do not have the funds right now to have a, a strong legal front and we have no relationships to the SEC. So we want to do the most logical move for the longevity of the company. So that's our first working product that we have right now. And we also have a secondary uh, product as well. Oh, cool. Well, what happened before we touch on the second product? Uh, what happens when, when, uh, when all the cows are minted? Well, when all the cows minted, 10,000 are out. That's when uh, we'll start releasing the rewards of the, the one cow per week inflation rate through the game. Um, it's not active now. So right now, again, we're just in beta. So we're just allowing people just to play and compete and just give us feedback. So after 10,000, we have a couple other products on our roadmap that we are going to tackle. But as of right now, we only have two working products that we pushed out onto the market. But our whole structure is to find, is to truly build a spider leg form model that drives value back to the pasture. 
So we just want to drive value back to our cows through scarcity. Nice. Um, cool. Well, um, so what is the game itself? So the game itself, the best way I can compare it is like a Pac-Man on steroids. It's a modern day version of Pac-Man, but it, it takes it up a level because we're giving you an RPG feel. It's not just a straight labyrinth wall. It's an expanding metaverse. You're going around the world. So the base storyline is a little political. It's based on this book called Animal Farm. So what we're doing is trying to... Love that book. Yeah, you like that book? It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, so definitely. So what we did is you're a cow on a ranch, and you're being taken care of by your rancher. And the rancher one day gets approached by this business figure called the man. So the man wants to buy the land because he realized there's oil and other precious resources underneath the land. So obviously the rancher says no, and in return, the rancher gets kidnapped. And on the way of being kidnapped, they bust through the gate. And when they bust through the gate, all these cows flood out into the world and search for the rancher. So that begins this whole gameplay of just you as a cow going up against the man and actually traveling around the world trying to rescue your rancher. So it's just a, a, a ever-ending, expanding metaverse. Everything you see in our game is in-house. We did not use a UI system. We built our game engine in-house so that we have the capability to license our technology to another company. Uh, the machine learning on the enemies, we built that. All those algorithms are built in-house. The, the graphics, we have three graphic artists that are contributing to all the visualization. The, the full album, we have a music producer that produced all the music in-house. The sound engineer, all the sound effects are original sound effects that we produce in-house for this game. So, yeah, we're a full-out stack studio. <laughs> nice. And what was the timeline like uh, to put together this game? Yeah, so we started the Gen 2 project around the end of last year's summer, and we were able to release it the top of 2022, basically the last week of the summer, so basically 2022. Yeah, because I remember, I remember seeing Pocket Cows around the time that we, released, that we released our last project, and I was like, ooh, Pocket Cows seems pretty freaking cool. Okay. Um, so tell us, what was the, 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 what was the development like? Uh... The development process, you know, like I, I created all the conceptual designs, the functionality, the tokenomics, the, the direction. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's really just me just soaking up game, being a fly on the wall for so many years and seeing like, what is the game actually missing? Like, how can we actually use blockchain in a different way, especially when it comes to NFTs? You know, we see a lot of passion projects and we see a lot of people with promises or saying that this is utility, but it technically does not actually involve the blockchain in any way besides ownership so i just wanted to take it to another level and me coming from being such a, a, a DeFi head a crypto head i kind of wanted to apply some of those principles and that's what kind of created this hybrid business model that we see today nice well what is the to the okay. what is the tokenomics itself so basically we start off with ten thousand. But what we did is we introduced a deflationary model built into our smart contract called the pasture. So over time, uh, I don't know if you want to get into it right now, but over time, what happens is the collection ends up shrinking in size. So that drives the other cows that remain in circulation to be more rare and in theory increases the demand long term on the remaining digital assets, which are the cows. Oh, OK. So so is 
So there's a way. No, so ba- basically, it'd be like an automatic burn. Yes, it's a burn wallet. It's a burn wallet, and and in return for sending your cow out to pasture, what does that individual get in return? Is now that you sent one at least one of your cows to pasture, anytime another cow is sold on secondary sales, whether you own it or not, it does not matter. Anytime another cow is sold on secondary sales, you get a percent of that transaction. So this is a different yield farming. This is not staking. This is harvesting. You're harvesting Ethereum. A percent of Ethereum out of a transaction and redirecting and redistributing it to wallets that were designated in the pasture. So it's a way that the community can empower each other. It's a way to create an in-house community where people can actually huddle around knowing that every time they go hard, make a tweet, make a meme, make a gift, post, a t-shirt, whatever, they're ensuring the longevity of the company, which in the back end generates a passive income stream. Oh, okay. So did you, okay. Like, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you get this from SafeMoon? No, no, <laughs> I'm not a SafeMoon. Okay. Cause I know, I know SafeMoon had a very like similar, similar business model about like every time you had a coin, you yeah, sold your coin, then like percentage of that would go to a burn All of those wallet. projects are based on this coin called RFI, Reflect Finance. So you, if you hear people saying reflect it comes from a, a, a Ponzi that was called Reflect Finance. We don't have anything like Reflect Finance. This is not Reflect Finance. This is something totally different. We didn't take anything from RFI. Yeah, that was a, 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 a DeFi Ponzi scheme that kind of emerged out of the, the deep web, out of crypto. You know? Yeah, so, all right, I'm curious. I, I, I hear you mention uh, a few times like DeFi. And I want to know, did you build something uh, like an application or, or adapt for like um, a DeFi protocol or work on any DeFi project? Um, I was a project manager for uh, a project called Maze Neko that got a they got a, a venture capitalist fund from Polygon Matic, but they end up suffering a hack and I got fired. So outside of that, in the DeFi sector, it's just been me solely just uh, investing in the co- coins like Aave. Uh, I got Ave when it was old Ave, you know, like a Kyber network, which is basically a market maker aggregator and a liquidity provider on on his own. Um, it was just really just being understanding the fact that like proof of work to compete against these massive uh, warehouses and these build was like is is really impossible for me. I don't have the funds to keep up with these these wells. So when I got into proof of stake, it just kind of opened the door. You know, my first proof of stake coin was Peercoin. And ever since then, anything that was about staking, master noting, I just kind of just dove in because it was like a simpler, easier uh, way to, to really receive some form of passive income. So already like in, in Genesis 1, were you approaching like the NFTs with the DeFi mindset, knowing that you would go into gaming and knowing that you like, you know, do all these things with like tokenomics and utility for your holders? Or was it sort of like, hey, let's just try this out with a small Genesis collection and see where this goes from here? Um, when we first, it was just, uh, just a, a passion project, just 20 cows, just a sample it out. But I knew that, uh, it was just a sample run. It was literally always meant to be a test run. I always knew that we were going to have to apply some type of utility to it. And I didn't start developing it to that, to the summer of 2021. I didn't really deep dive into like really start laying down the actual frameworks of the, con- of the concept to the actual summer. Okay. That makes sense. And like, I'm curious your overall opinion on like this whole like play to earn landscape. How do you feel about it? 
it might get a bad rep long term because of bigger funding companies and not fixing the leak in the ship, which basically is you're introducing fungible tokens when you're on, on for a non-fungible token product. The money has to come from somewhere. Uh, one of the biggest inspirations to us was rap uh, was uh, Axe Infinity, Axie Infinity, and it's like they're they're dealing with so many issues. You know, it's you have to make the business model self sustainable, and if you just literally have people earning a token and being able to convert that for their national currency, that still has to stimulate some type of intrinsic value. You know, or it's just really you're just giving them peanuts or something like that. And even then that still can be expensive, you know, it depending on how many users and how much money the volume you're pumping on a daily basis. So I think that's one of the things that we're gonna see is that a lot of gamified projects failing because of that simple fact that they wanna be a play to earn, but they don't really know how to allow the user to, to earn. And, and do you think the only reason like say like they're still online or still have users is because of the funding? Where they're kind of like, I, I guess an analogy would be like burned in a candle from like both ends of the sticks. Where like they're paying people, you know, in this uh, currency because they're raising so much money um, on the back end and kind of hoping down the line they figure it out. Exactly. It's like uh, what we call it kicking the can. They're kicking the can to the point that it can't kick it no more. Because that's exactly what Axie Infinity did. They took their VC funding and then started incrementing and distributing out to their users. Eventually, you got to recoup. The investor is going to want their money back. Like, this money has to come from somewhere, you know? So I think that's just a, it's like a slow leak. But on the other end, it's also because people like a tease. People, I'm noticing about this industry, people love a good tease, a good, like, speculative project. You know, so that will also keep you locked in just showing like little video trailers or gifts instead of actually introducing the game to your holders and letting them play it. It's more about the tease that keeps the people trapped in and like interest. And, and it goes even further if you give them like a basic beta of like navigation around your your predetermined metaverse of some sort, you know, good bait, good hooks, you know. Yeah. And, and have you guys, um, I guess gotten to the, the stage where you uh, feel comfortable or are you guys even interested in like raising funds or is this like purely decentralized um, just community working on the marketing and getting like people in and allowing them to fund the project? Yeah, we are definitely 100% independent at the moment, but we are taking steps. We are open to hearing offers. We've uh, we got a, a date to, to, to spew for an incubator, though we're already I already have two products already out to market. We retained a business lawyer, Greg Cholin, from the, so a portion of the funds that we raise independently to start begin negotiations with another private investor that wants to do, uh, you know, they want to buy a shell company and do a reverse merge so that we can possibly even be the first NFT to go out and be traded on NASDAQ. So it's all about being OTC ready, but, you know, nothing's set in stone. Regardless, what we're seeing is that if that doesn't go right, if, if, if the deal is not right, we're still going to scale. Because at the end of the day, it comes to it's really a time frame. If, if we don't get uh, VC funding or private funding before we sell out, by the time we, we mint out, we won't need it. So, you know, it's either or. But we're, we, we like to keep it flexible. Like I was telling my community today, with this Web3 model, you still have to follow basic Web2 business principles. So especially when you're emerging in something that's brand new, you can't have anything cemented. We have to be flexible for the longevity of the company. So we are open, but we have not received any private funding as of yet. Well, curious. Um, so I know that there's like a lot of like 
NFT play to earn games. And I know I know yours is like play to win. Um, and I know a lot of the NFT games that are out there right now are like like for the lack of better terms, they're they're just like giant Ponzi's. I know we had this like slight conversation over Twitter spaces. Um, how does your how does your game like the the fundamentals of like the back end of the game work? Or how are they different from like other like staking games that are out there? Well, for instance, we don't offer staking whatsoever. We're not, we have no intentions of ever introducing a fungible token unless we're introducing our own chain. Um, we're giving people just the opportunity just to treat and actually focus on the baseline asset, which is the cows. We don't want to deter from that. It turns into more of a, a buy incentive or a sales pitch when you're just like introducing a lot of fluff and it's like actually ignoring the baseline product. So the basic core functionality is to constantly drive more value. We want people to fight and feud for these cows as if it's Bitcoin, as if you're trying to get an actual literal Bitcoin. You know, that's our goal. We always say we're going to be the Bitcoin of NFTs. We're going to be the Bitcoin of NFTs. Bitcoin started at 11 cent. And that's what we want to stand on. So any other product that we introduce, you know, we are going to introduce an e-game marketplace. We are introducing an e-game currency that is converted from milk, which is another non-fungible token that we'll be introducing later on this year. But uh, we're not doing, we're not, we're going against the grain. You know, this is the portion and this is like the sector what like that a lot of people identify as indie crypto. It's more like the not the more popular consensus, but more of a more of a against the grain approach where we're just trying to see we see all these big companies and big funded projects fail and it's for the obvious repetitive reasons so we're doing what we can to just ignore that and remove ourselves from that sector altogether okay well okay so when you say you want to be the the bitcoin of the nft space um like the first thing that comes to my mind what that would be right now would be bored apes so what's what's your like go to market strategy or even your marketing strategy to even get to that point? Because let's, let's let's be real, like Bored Apes, like Yuga Yuga Labs, they raised they were the they were the they raised the most money out of any company uh, or any startup like on Crunchbase. They raised four hundred fifty million dollars in VC funding as their seed round. Obviously, it takes a lot to get there. What, like, what's your strategy on on getting to that point? Right now, when it comes to marketing, we're doing guerrilla marketing and independent marketing, digital billboards and whatnot. We don't have any cosigns to any influencers. We believe that utility and, and will eventually outweigh hype. Utility will eventually, the utilization would eventually counteract the influential cosigns and the big marketing ploys. It's the only reason why we're still standing in a bear market and why we're still averaging daily mints is because utilization, utility, the purpose of this product is standing tall. And I feel that uh, what Board Ape did was pretty awesome for NFTs and raising awareness across the space, but uh, it also has groomed the space to expect projects to, to move in a certain mannerism that wasn't intentional for this technology to begin with. You know, it's, it's, it's deeper than just a passion project or just visualization. It's more of an underlying empowerment and sovereignty for from a common user's aspect when it comes to like stocks, bonds, uh, all sorts of contract agreements, insurance, all types of functionality. So I think that once you're once we're approaching this in the artistry, 
we should still show appreciation to the underlying technology that the, the engine underneath the hood and actually utilize it to its full potential. And I feel that since Board Ape released their smart contract already as it is, they did not use the blockchain to its full potential. So that kind of gives us our own lane and our chance to actually like, hey, come out of nowhere, potential blue chip. They started from nothing and now they're there. People love an underdog story. People love that. I would like to know more about the artists behind Pocket Cows, right? Like, um, who's the guy or girl that like uh, did the artwork? I know you you told me something about like uh, they have won like a cow at a uh, a fair, and that was sort of like the inspiration. Um, but I'm not sure if you mentioned their name. I would like to see if they like you know done more work um, in NFTs or just paintings or drawings, etc. Yeah. So Josiah Gutierrez, this is like. The first output of art, really, between our Gen 1 and Gen 2, Josai, J-H-O-S-A-E, Guterres, um, he's an insurance salesman by day. So, like, if you look him up, that's what you're going to see. He's registered in 35 states to sell legally uh, uh, health insurance. So, you know, you know, we, we still have ir- uh, in real life obligations as well, you know, even though we're independent. So, like, this is basically his first frontier and output, his first fingerprint in the artist world, in the artistry world. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's Joe Sagittarius as an artist and our core developer is Ethan Pentagraph. You know, I'm the founder. I laid down conceptual designs and then I found me, like, a young Dr. Gavin Woods or maybe something even more, you know. So, it's been amazing. And and how was it like working with this team? And I guess introducing uh, an insurance guy to NFTs um, <laughs> and explaining like how this is going to work and why this matters, etc. Like, how was that for you? Uh, me and Joe saw have a good rapport. You know, we've been friends for seven several years. We went to the same high school, same house parties, and whatnot. So. Uh, what really captured his attention is like I was the one friend in our group that was advocating for crypto for 10 years. And it wasn't until they actually saw how it affected my life that captured their attention. So then fast forward, he's been in the space about for since about 2020. And uh, it's been really good report. We're like brothers. So, you know, we have our differences. We're not going to agree on everything. We have but sometimes. But uh, at the end of the day, we both have the same incentive is for the company to win. You know, for the company to win. We, we've all had our differences, me, Ethan, Josiah. But at the end of the day, we care about the community. We care about this project and where it's going. Nice. And I guess another question and follow up on that is, as the founder of this project, um, how's it been now during like this bear market to keep everyone like, you know, motivated and, you know, I guess seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, so the benefits that, uh, you know, from my experiences that I was able to, like, teach my active community that we were already in a bear market. We knew we were in a bear market months before we even deployed the contract, and we still decided to press that button. We knew that our approach wasn't, we couldn't go all out with a, a crazy marketing budget because just in case we, we didn't mint out overnight, we flatlined the company. So what we wanted to do was scale. We wanted to scale at a healthy rate. We wanted to create a pulse and then start increasing that pulse on our daily average sales conversion. Um, yeah, it's just been it's just been a, it's just been one thing at a time. As a founder, uh, this bear market has forced me to dig deeper, forced me to lock in tighter with my community, get more creative on the engagement retention, for sure, and uh, start start questioning my leadership more start questioning my leadership more to understand to make sure that i'm checking myself and i'm that i'm not going off the rails and might actually smack hundreds of people over 113 people into a brick wall 
you know, so, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. But me being a founder in the seat has been pretty interesting. and I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I want to I want to touch on the community for a little bit. So so tell me, like, what is the best way to to, like, manage a community? Uh, that's a very that's a very open ended question. So take it however you want to take it. So take it however you want to do. The best way for me personally to manage the community was with transparency, time, and consistency. I had to be transparent about everything, you know, because there's so much stuff about me already out because I've been a part of so many things. Um, I had to like, you know, and then when I, you know, being trying to set the tone of being a fully doxxed person and what really is to be truly fully doxxed. You know, a whole lot of things arrival. So it's just like you have to be very transparent with every move you make with the company's dollars, everything you do. Uh, the time. I, the reason why I have such a solid, like, tight-knitted crew that's, that's been snowballing to more and more unique people is because, like, I've spent countless hours. I've, I've spent so many days on Twitter spaces and Discord and streaming events to the point I've fallen asleep multiple times. It's like a joke now. You know, but it's like um, I'm usually the last one in the space if I'm hosting it and I'm usually the first one up. You know, it's like I get I average like four, no more than five hours a night. It's been a rare night that I've had five. But it's like this is when you're on as soon as one person invested, as soon as one person mints it out, you're obligated now. You technically kind of work for these people now. So it's been it's like you have to put in the time you have to put in the time lack of communication are signs of a rug lack of communication starts to create fud lack of communication creates fear in your community so if i'm out here every single day it's like this guy's not hiding you know he's out here and he's telling me every move he does and just you know the consistency just never falling off the track with it actually just kind of incorporating it as a part of your life now this is my life like i'm slowly guys i'm turning into a freaking cow i'm literally turning into a cow slowly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so i'm curious because i think this is uh our episode three uh we're talking with three different nft projects so far and one thing that has stayed uh consistent is the twitter spaces grind right so <laughs> um i know you said something you're doing like four or five hours a night right um so for how long, like how many months at a time? I know you said it's like, you know, second nature and it's a part of your life now, but like how long has that, that grind been? We're six months old. Uh, at one point, we stopped the Twitter spaces for about two months and change. We just wanted to just lock down on development, you know, because this stuff can't take away, you know, and we were still trying to set down the solid bones, but it's been about probably like four months religiously. Just day in, day out. You start off the morning. I head to the gym. I got to get my morning workout out because it's probably the most active I'm going to be before I sit in front of a keyboard for the next 12 hours and a screen. So I get that out the way. They know my schedule now. We start banging out on spaces. We start moving around. We start shilling. We, you know, we treat Discord as our home and Twitter as an outside world. So that's how we get, we're able to be seen by new people and onboard people. And then at the end of the day, we still have the Discord for just us to like just congregate with each other. But it's been like a blur now at this point. Like the same person we'll have, we'll be talking on the group chat on Twitter or in the space, but at the same time, we're posting memes at the same time in Discord. So it's, it's becoming uh, like one without the other. You can't have them. They're inseparable at this point. Yeah. So I guess the, 
this is a great conversation. I, I do want to give you like a minute or two uh, to kind of use it like the end of the podcast. If you want to, you know, just let people know what's what's coming next, what they should look out for, or a call to action if you want them to check out the website or follow you on social media, etc. The the floor is yours. Yeah, so this is pretty special for me because today we're doing a, a website update by tonight. So we're we're turning our website into an educational funnel. We're understanding that the majority of our community, this is the first NFT they ever bought. And that's probably going to be the majority of, of our community uh, throughout this bear market are people that are brand new to the space and are seeking something that will give them a crash course on the whole layout and basic fundamentals of crypto and blockchain technology. So we're doing uh, Pocket Cows with a S, PocketCows.farm is our URL. And uh, check that out. Also, if you have a Pocket Cow, check out the game pocketcows.farm forward slash game. We also have a game tab at the top of our website that will be deployed tonight, all that. So, you know, check that out, you know, definitely. And we're here. No rain, shine, bear market, bull market. We're going to be here. You know, the door's always open. Um, I definitely want to tap back in with you guys. I really like your, your setup. I really like the cadence of the conversation and how you guys are not afraid to dig into it. To poke holes, you know, a lot of people they, you know, it's a lot of fluff for like, you know, behind the scenes relationships. But at the end of the day, by being able to dive deep, you're actually creating substance to the conversation. And it's like, hey, if you catch somebody with their pants down, you catch them with their pants down. That's a part of the conversation, you know. So I appreciate you guys for actually, you know, being a man of of great cadence with this conversation. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate having you on, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on at another point in time, and. Uh, yeah, man. Really appreciate you jumping on and we'll see you around.